We are the E to the page, Japan land the punch. Out of mind, feel boom pal. We got the stuff. We know they got story, been new, they got hard complex narratives and black carries. Tell me where they see us. Where I see us, where where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me what they read us, not they wanna be us. At the damn cage, like a nigga from Georgia, insane and after brain and lacking in origin. At flashbacks and shots to the system, downloading new issues and sitting for a listen. Where I see us, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me what they read us, not they wanna be us. They wanna be us, they, they, they wanna be hey. us Where I see us, where, hey, where, where I see us Where I see where us, the black where, where, where I see us Where I see us, where I see us all right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Where I See Me, the podcast where we look at comics and media. But lots of questions in mind, mainly, where the hell are the black and brown people? And so I'm Jamie. And I am Marcellus. And today we have a really special guest with us. We're so excited to welcome to the podcast this person. Um, he is the founder of the Afrofuturist Network, a historian, educator, and self-described comic book geek. He's also the author of the book that started this this podcast, The Ex-Con, Voodoo Priest, Goddess, and the African King, which is analysis of Black comic book heroes. He fre frequently speaks about the history of Black people in America, the image of Black people in various forms of media, pop culture, and hip-hop music on various college campuses and at conferences both nationally and abroad. The Afrofuturist Network seeks to support the ever-growing community of Black writers, artists, and thinkers in the realms of sci-fi, fantasy, comic books, and film. AFN analyzes the contributions and portrayal of Black characters in these mediums. It also examines the role and place of Black people in the past, present, and future, and serves, to hub, serves as a hub for the Black creativity and thought. So welcome to the show, William Jones. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, as I was sharing with you guys, I just really appreciate you you uh, reaching out to me and having me be part of this. I can't tell you how much this means to me. We it means a lot to us too. It was it was like a shot in the dark. Because <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I was just I was gonna say, I I don't know exactly what what had made me. I think I I was just I had been talking to my 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 own um, my family just about. Um, the podcast and working with Jamie and I just started to realize oh we have a lot of our friends on uh, who, who are all doing great work um, they're all they're all doing these things and I was wondering wait a minute I wonder who can we ask people who we haven't met yet to be on the podcast uh, who's the first person I would want to have on um, and then just kind of getting the taking the arrow from the quiver and <laughs> shooting it shooting it out but right. well worth it thank you thank you yeah yeah that was great like i said i'm just really happy to be here yeah we're we're really excited to have you um like marcellus was saying like he he when he told me you responded to him on instagram he was ecstatic he was like i can't believe he was like i just messaged him <laughs> and he actually replied back to me and so you know ever since then he's been sending me like more people who are like right like celebrities and I'm like wait a minute we just we need to calm down <laughs> just a little bit you know like let's let's get through the season <laughs> and you see how everything goes before you start trying to bring up whoever you I don't even remember who you were going to have, have Barack friend. Obama coming on next week see, no, um. no. <laughs> I don't I, yeah so it, it's been a lot of that with him um awesome. 
But tell us what's what's been going on with you lately um, since you've written the book. Um, well, first of all, like you know, when when you write something, when you create something, you kind of think like you're you're the only one that gets it, you know. And I remember when I wrote this, and this was part of research I was doing in graduate school, and it's extended into a book. Um, I was thinking no one's gonna get this but me, you know. And it gets to a point like when you create something where you, you basically say. If that's it, so be it. And when I released it, I was really impressed with the response that it's gotten. And here it is, uh, 2021, and it still has legs. Mm -hmm. Like I still have people that are responding to me, folks that are just discovering the book, you know, and podcasts like yours is getting the word out. So the thing that's impressed me the most is the legs that it has. Uh, also, the book has found its way into quite a few uh, high schools mm. and junior high schools out here. I live out in uh, Maryland, D.C. area, and I was fortunate enough for this organization called Penn Faulkner to pick the book up. And what they do is they put students in touch with authors. So you go out to the school, you speak to the youth, they all get a copy of your book. So it's been really great to see that happen and, and it expands into the schools and so forth. Uh, so it's been really like this this great adventure for me in writing and seeing the response. That sounds fantastic. What are the conversations like with the students? Uh, well, the great thing is because of the subject matter, you know, like sometimes if you ever speak to to young people, you know, and I, and I, and I work in a classroom, but it's always like hard to get their attention. But yeah. when you start off talking about anime, comic books, and, and, and Marvel movies and DC movies, you got that hook to bring them in. <laughs> You know, so I already have them kind of, yeah, like, I love anime. What do you think of this? What do you think? And it's always funny because you're older than them and they always trying to check you. Like, you know, <laughs> they try to check your anime cred. So they start running off names of things and kind of trying to see how much you know. Is he faking? Does he really watch it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I sure do. You know, so when I answer those questions and they kind of get that I'm legit, then we just have these great conversations around characters and race and history. And that's what I really wanted to accomplish with the book. I wanted to find a way to get people into history without them even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And for me, comic books are a great, great way to do that. And you know, you guys read them and so forth. There's so many topics, so many subjects that comic books touch on that allows people to get to have these conversations. And they may say, well, you know, I'm not that much into politics, but they love, you know, the Watchmen. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, that's yeah. politics. Absolutely. You know? So that's the way that, you know, this this is an opportunity for me to find this meeting where I could, you know, educate people, inform people. And at the same time, you know, I have this passion for comics. So I kind of put the two things that I love the most together. And that's comic books and history. So that's how it's worked for me. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. Um, I kind of mentioned off off before we started recording that I was writing a paper and the reason is the reason why uh, Marcellus let me borrow his book. Um, I was writing an art history paper in a class. It was on the Harlem Renaissance. Okay. Um, and so I was analyzing this image by Aaron Douglas that was a part of a short story that was written by a white man named, I think, Paul Moran. And it was mm -hmm. called The Black Czar. And so it was a story that was supposed to be about Haiti becoming its own um, kind of its own, it's you know, a retelling of that of mm -hmm. Haiti becoming its own republic or the mm -hmm. aftermath of it, of it becoming its own republic. Um, of course, it's like 
wrought with the story itself is wrought with all kinds of <laughs> problems and stereotypes and right. and so the Papa Midnight section of your book was really like instrumental in me helping to work mm -hmm. through why Aaron Douglas chose the, the the illustrations that he did. You know, for instance, there is, the illustration has someone. Um, they're like in the middle of the woods at night. So it's supposed to look like a voodoo ceremony and they have a, a decapitated head over a cauldron. Um, and, you know, for me, I was like, this just seems really, you know, this is very white gaze kind of like outsider, outsider not knowing the full weight of what's really happening. Them just kind of speculating, putting more things in there. And then reading about Papa Midnight and him carrying around the head of his sister. Yes. And, you know, this whole this what is, you know, what is this trend of, you know, people who are associated with voodoo carrying around heads? Like, where does this come from, particularly, you know, from Haiti or the Caribbean? And it led me to really think about that, you know, there there are other Im historical images of um, I'm always mess up the French names, but Dessalines, one of the, the I think the first emperor of Haiti in which he's holding a white woman's head in an in a illustration. And so it, I feel like all of that, it comes from this general white anxiety about this Black Republic and then yes. constantly re, um, reusing this imagery of de them de decapitating heads. Um, right. And I hadn't, and like when I started the paper, that's not where I was. And then I read your book and that's where I, that's where I ended from <laughs> from reading the book. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I originally thought I was going to do something else, but as I'm writing and reading, like it went a whole nother way and it's like yeah this is just all about white people being anxious about right. white people having power <laughs> that's really what it is got you got you yeah you know and, and that's the thing with with comic books is the imagery you know mm -hmm. uh before we could read before we could write we knew pictures we knew images mm -hmm. you know your first book is a picture book you know before you you know before they get you into reading you're looking at images mm -hmm. so that's the one thing that i wanted to tackle in this is the imagery, is the depictions of black people in these comic books, because those images have held up to this day. You know, there's no new insults when it comes right. to black people. You know right. what I'm saying? It's the same. Whatever you're insulting about black people today, they've been insulting us from day one. And that speaks to the imagery, whether it's the exaggerated features that they have for us, complexion issues, so on and so forth. And it goes back to this, this these illustrations, mm -hmm. you know, so whatever like the medium of the day is, that medium has been used to dehumanize us. You know, today you can argue it's reality TV and to a certain extent or a great extent, you know, rap music and popular culture. Back then it was simply illustrations. And that's where comic books kind of find themselves in that space of, you know, either uh, overcoming and defeating these stereotypes or reinforcing. So that was like a big deal. I'm, I'm curious because uh, one of the things that I found um, really helpful for me when reading your book, especially early on when I, when I the first uh, uh, time I got to read through it, because um, when I think about it, like, I, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm only 23 right now. I'm going to be 24 this year. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I grew up in a military family. And so, okay. like, comic books and a lot of, like, superheroes were my sort of, like, I wasn't really necessarily drawn towards the military, but, you know, I was like, okay, I respect my dad. He's kind of like a superhero. It's sort of a, uh, there's this strength in that. 
And so I was drawn to characters and um, who kind of resemble that. So being introduced to characters like Luke Cage, I was introduced to him via this book. Um, oh, okay. And so I had only really, I grew up like an X-Men fan and all these sort of, uh, these different sort of, uh, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, the idea of like, what do the X-Men really represent? And what are these characters right, and right. Uh, being a mutant, being a minority, what does that look like? Um, and, but getting to see, I think, the sort of, the way blackness is explored through characters like that and having it be like the the idea of of history through comics was such a beautiful thing to me because i i really i i had gotten used to environments where history is tweaked to a certain degree for the favor of the of the of the victor and getting to really see the amount of change that over goes especially i think you um you kind of hit this point where we talk about the the way uh, like the worth of like black bodies or black people within this sort of like this yes. uh, this prisoner of of of, uh, mm. of the society. I'm curious. Do you think if and I know this is a hypothetical is always a hard question because right. <laughs> the what what if but um, do you feel like if you had written this book later that you would have chosen the same sort of four to to start analyzing this kind of um like study of blackness and in, in comics yeah i think i would have simply because uh when you look at three of them especially luke cage storm and the black panther they had this long history mm-hmm. and i thought that their changes over the years their evolution kind of best represented the same way the perception of black people has been changing through that same period of time. So they're the, like they're some of the longest running black characters. So I thought that they were a great example to use. So I don't, you know, you don't have black superheroes and so forth coming from the 1930s and 40s to the present like you would with, you know, a Superman or a Batman and so forth. So I pretty much had to begin at the beginning as far as these long running characters. Yes, there have been black heroes in the past that have been in the pages of comic books. I do reference them. But as far as that, that longevity, those were the ones I think uh, have existed the longest. Mm. And also, like I said, represented the greatest change. If you look at the evolution of Luke Cage, for example, it always strikes me that uh, black comic book characters or, or black animated characters always reflect what people believe black people are at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. You know, you had Luke Cage at one point he sounded like Shaft and Superfly, you know, then a little bit later on down the line, they actually had him, you know, with a gold grill and uh, uh, his hair braided backwards and so forth. You know, then all of a sudden when there's this, this reawakening, if you will, of, of black worth and black value, then all of a sudden he becomes a leader of the Avengers. You know what I'm saying? So his evolution kind of reflects the way other people perceive us. And then it always strikes me that the hairstyles change. You know, he's got the afro, then he's got the braids, and he's rocking a ball head. So it's like it's this evolution as well. It's like this is how people see us, and that's the that's the other thing that we have to be cognizant of when we're looking at going back to your point about the white gaze. What you're looking at really is someone else's understanding of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing that you have to be aware of when you're reading these comic books and so forth. You know, a lot of people. Uh, uh, think that the Black Panther, for example, was created by black people. And it wasn't. 
It was not. If, if it was. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't it have started. I'll just say that. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So you look at uh, in recent years, even before it made it to the big screen, the Black Panther that you see on the big screen, that's because of the Black writers that added to the mythology. You know, when you look at what uh, Christopher Priest did when it was Marvel Knights, you look at Huddling following behind, and today you have Coates. Those stories, that imagery is what you see on the big screen more than anything else. So once again, it, it speaks to not only whether or not you have black characters, but who's giving them voice. That's the real question that you have to deal with. And for Storm, the thing that was fascinating to me, even as a kid, reading the X-Men, you know, you're a young, you're a young man, you kind of tune into these things. Man, she always naked. It's not on accident. It's not on accident. Yeah. And as a kid, I recognized that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, wow. So that stuck with me. So when I began to research it as an adult, that experience is what I went back to. Mm-hmm. And I actually began to look at all of the times that for one reason or another, her clothes just accidentally pop off. You know, they just have a reason for her to be naked more than any other X-Men, any other female X-Men member in the group. You know what I'm saying? They always found a reason for her to be naked. So they got into this conversation of this fascination with the black female form. So that's when I began to talk about that. And the other thing that's interesting is, and I don't know whether these, these writers get it or not, mm-hmm. but complexion matters in terms of the representation of these characters in Storm, there hasn't been a consistent representation of this character on the page or the big screen that speaks to her origin. This woman's from Kenya, you know what I'm saying? And some images, some illustrators, you're looking at her, you can't even make her out from like Rogue or from Jean Grey, you know, it's like, who is she, you know? And when you saw her come to the big screen, it's like, yeah, great, you know, Haley Berry is a great actress, but, Everyone I know was picturing Angela Bassett. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was Storm. Like you know, that's who we imagined. So it, it was that was another thing that was fascinating for me. Uh, the Papa Midnight character, you know, he's more recent. Out of all of them, he was the most recent. And what I found fascinating with him was this idea that you would have this character that was represented one way when written by white writers, and how the story changed when it's written by a black writer. Mm -hmm. So that's why I selected him, because once again, I thought this was the the best uh, example of how changing the voice changes the character. So that's how I came upon, you know, those selections. The Black Panther, like I said, that's just the Black Panther. You know, how can you tell the story of black comic book characters and not have him be part of that story? Exactly. If you could, if you could think of, I mean, you've written, you wrote in that book in 2016. If you, if you could think mm-hmm. of other black characters you want to spend more time with, like who, yes. who would you want to analyze more? Uh, Brother Voodoo is another one, um, because what once again, what I'm fascinated by is other people's depiction of African culture, mm-hmm. you know, and the misrepresentations that come with that. So I would say Brother Voodoo is definitely one that um, I want to go back and analyze. I've been working on that. And when I saw uh, the Doctor Strange movie and I saw him on the big screen, like 
I'm sure you've had this experience. Have you ever gone and seen a comic book movie with someone that doesn't read comic books? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> if you've done that, you're like this odd person. So when I see, you know, drum on the screen, you know, I'm shaking like, oh my God, do you know who that is? talking about? <laughs> so I'm hoping that Marvel does something with the character, you know? Uh, uh, so that that was one character I would definitely want to uh, examine. And Blade is another one. If we're talking about, you know, DC and Marvel characters, I think Blade is a fascinating character uh, in the sense that, you know, here's a black man who's a vampire, you know. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Chadwick Smith, he did a, he's, a, he's a director and actor, and he did a short film where he was a vampire that was afraid of blood. And we had this great conversation uh, we did this. Uh, we did this uh, uh, discussion at one of the local bookstores out here in DC called Sankofa Books. And one of the things that struck me was I couldn't imagine, given like the, the generalization, I'm speaking general terms, in terms of black culture, to be a black vampire to where you can't go to church and you can't enjoy the sun. Mm. I think it's just fascinating. And these are like two things that are like characterized you know, within black culture, going to church and being out in the environment, the sun and so forth. So I think that's another character that I would love to deal with. There's so many, because like I said, there's so many stories that are not being told or being told through these characters that, you know, it's endless. I feel like um, kind of off of that, off of that same question, the, I don't know about you, but I've been, I've been so excited about all of the, the, it feels like there's almost a sort of, I want to knock on wood by calling it a renaissance of, of yes. black storytelling is starting to yeah. reemerge again, right? The um, in the background, I got a Spider Verse poster. <laughs> right. Right. I, I I'm curious to see, um, and that, both to you and Jamie, if if there's, do you feel like this can last this sort of this sort of uh upsurge in in right. desired like people want to see sequels to movies like this where you see uh black and brown characters where you see like afro afro latin yeah. uh characters we got uh a blade movie another blade mm-hmm. movie <laughs> yes. Yes. do you yes. what what do you think is is coming or next what do you how do you feel about it all well, for me, you know, I use history as my guide. And one of the things that we have to be aware of and cautious of is this isn't the first time this has happened. Mm-hmm. It's not the second time, it's not the third time. There's this thing of, you know, you were you were talking about the Harlem Renaissance, for example. And I remember this brilliant essay called When the Negro Was in Vogue. You know, this idea that at this time in the, in the 1920s, there was this fascination with black culture. And I get why people call it a renaissance, but it's also problematic because it indicates that this was something that didn't exist before, or it's a rebirth or reintroduction. It's always been there. It's the recognition that makes it the Renaissance. You know what I'm saying? So it's only a Renaissance to the outsider, to the person that didn't know about this. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? We've we, been had black singers, poets, dancers, right. artists. You know, you're calling it a Renaissance because it's new to you. And with that, what happens when it becomes old to you? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So all too often, if we're not careful, black people are treated like a fad. Latino people treated like a fad. Um, 
you say, you know, you, you say you're 23. I'm a lot older. So I've seen this <laughs> a couple of times. You know, you look at this, this resurgence of black characters on television. You go back to the 90s. You know, that was that was all that was on TV with the success of the Cosby show and mm-hmm. Martin and living single and all these mm-hmm. other shows. And it looked like at that point there was going to be this continuation of blacks on television. Then it died out. You know, you had the success of Spike Lee uh, on the big screen. Then you had Maddie Rich with, uh, 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 what was it called? Straight Out of Brooklyn, if I remember correctly. Then you had, like, you know, Robert Townsend and his yeah. success. So it looked like it was going to be this great success, Daughters of the Dust and so forth. It looked like black film was here to stay. Then it disappeared. So the thing is, you know, we have to be mindful that this is great for us but we have to be the ones to be the caretakers of it because when other folks get tired of it, it's on us to keep it going. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's the, that would be the way that I would say I'm, I'm looking at this right now. If it's going to last. And the great thing is with all the new mediums to keep things alive, you know, hopefully that will, that will make it just be a part. So for example, your podcast, this is something that couldn't have happened 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, but you guys are like the caretakers of this now. So by you having this show and highlighting black creativity, black characters, Latino characters, and so forth, you're the ones that become the caretakers of it. So now I don't have to rely on major networks to right. carry on this conversation. So with the new technology, that gives me a little more hope for the future. That's well said. I, I, I don't think I had, that's probably the first time I've considered the podcast archival in that sense of the conversations makes my I, I think I have a little bit because remember I I used to always say you know future listener listener from the past oh, that's <laughs> right. Right. talking to whoever is in the year 2030 still listening to this right. you don't right. know you've been you've been uh you've been thinking <laughs> of the future. You, you, you are the afro future <laughs> uh. but I, I I definitely agree with agree with you will about um like black culture being treated as a fad. And I, I've, I see it, I've seen it. And there was something recently it just came across my phone. Like they, they just, re, and they're rebooting, you know, all these different things too. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think to keep, to kind of keep in the back of our, our minds mm-hmm. as well. They just rebooted a, a show for Lois and Superman, which is like, do we really need another Superman <laughs> television show? And it's on the same network that had Smallville for 10 right. years and they're doing right. the Superman. Right. Right. Um, but one of the black writers on the show was fired. Um, and so, you know, she, you know, the show is, is it's now happening. And she was talking about how her and a few other writers, it wasn't just her, were pushing back against these, you know, sexist stereotypes, these racist stereotypes. And, you know, they'll bring black people to the table to, you know, they want us there to help write an authentic story. Mm-hmm. But then when you give them pushback or challenge them in their thinking, they're like, oh, well, we won't renew your contract. Right. Like, you can go. Right. You know? um, and so I'm, I I have like, like you, I have hope, but, I, but the fact that these things are still kind of happening where, you know, they'll bring us in now, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're still, they still don't really want to deal with this. They're still content in these, you know, kinds of stereotypes. It's, exactly. it's, a, little dis- it's a little disheartening, but I, you know, try not to focus on, <laughs> on that. Yeah, exactly. 
And, and, and like I said, going back to the point of a show like this, that's why this is important. No one's firing you. Right. You know You're not relying on anyone else to keep this thing going. So, you know, it's, it's once again, who's giving the voice? You know, and, and like I said, that's what I really like about the newest technology. I mean, you're seeing, I'm sure you've seen it, like you're seeing films being shot on an iPhone. Oh, yeah. That have the same quality as a television show or a movie. And these are folks, you know, just putting it together, getting it done, and they're creating these great things. So the, the one thing that I really enjoy is we're becoming less reliant mm. on these institutions to tell our stories. Like the the ability to uh, I I like that you mentioned the the phones because I was thinking about the, um, growing up and forcing my friends to make like little movies, <laughs> trying to you know trying to like scrounge up uh, costumes and and you know saving money to to shoot things. Um, I just remember this very specific era of everybody and their mama trying to trying to film fan films for for things yes and hoping they hoping they would not get sued for right. <laughs> and right. I, I know that they, there was that i won't even say bubble but like the continuation of star wars always had that there was always someone trying to recreate yeah and i remember there was a, a specific summer where i saw two or three different fan films for uh static shock um yes. pop up and i am curious if more of what we see, because I know there's the, like the like the um, the big two, right? The the yeah. DC DC and Marvel are always mm-hmm. looking for ways to how do we take our our yes. property and how do we make these characters likable? I'm curious if more of those people who are doing the the independent route are gonna start taking the reins and being like, well, actually, the you know, yeah. are we gonna see more online content like that? Because Right. I feel I feel like I've you know, put my ear to the ground. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be something. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to. In as much as I love the, the characters from Marvel and DC, I want to see more independent comics, you know, come to life. Uh, so I don't know, you know, what any books you're reading or the folks out there are reading. But, you know, when I see what Unique Studios is putting out with uh, EXO, you have this this brother from the west coast of Africa, and you have this futuristic representation of Africa. Tuskegee Airs, you know, is another great comic book. Uh, Power Nights, there's so many out there. And um, through the Afrofuturism Network, uh, we held a comic book convention in Virginia a few years ago and uh, learned a lot from it. And now we are trying, we'll supposed to have it last year, uh, but hopefully we can have it this year if everything is safe and okay or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, called RealCon. Uh, in, in Silver Spring, Maryland this fall, this September. I'm partnering up with Mr. Duke Productions. As I mentioned, a guy by the name of Chad Eric Smith, we're partnering up with putting our two companies together and we're presenting a film festival and comic convention called GrioCon. And for those out there that are not familiar with what a Grio is, this is coming out of West African uh, tradition of storytellers. So for us, these creators are the modern day storytellers. Mm-hmm. So whether you're making films, comic books, art, or, or music, whatever the case might be, you are now the modern-day storyteller. So we thought GrioCon would be a fitting name for a convention highlighting uh, contributions 
of uh, primarily black creators, but all people are invited to come as vendors and submit films. We've gotten film submissions. This has been awesome. I didn't, you know, you never know who's who's paying attention, right? We're getting film submissions from Korea. Wow. And I've, I've looked at two films coming out of Korea, and my first thing was, are these Korean folk that are here? And then we look at where it's coming from. No, it's coming from Korea. We've gotten two, we've, I've looked at two submissions so far. I got a ton that we're just going through coming from Europe. And of course we have some coming uh, out of the United States. So once again, we're looking at these people as the next generation of storytellers. So, so uh, to your point, like I said, I love what they're doing with Static Shock. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of the fan films. Um, and you see some of them become successful and be brought to the big screen or give life to certain ideas and so forth. But what I'm really looking forward to is when these independent comic books and these uh, independent artists can bring their own creations and have great success with them. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I love the name of that is it's Griocon. I love Thank that you. so so much because I Thank never you. really you know we because I'm, I'm familiar with the term griot and when I and whenever we talk about it, um, and I think this is true of a lot of like African traditions that have been brought mm -hmm. over to the U.S. We tend some we tend sometimes to talk about them in the past as a right. thing and we have in you see that also in i think sometimes in media and this wanting to always kind of revisit the past revisit the past mm -hmm. but one of the great things i feel about afrofuturism is how do we bring the past and the present into the future what does a griot mm -hmm. look like in the future right it's not exactly. going to look the same as it did in the past but the function is still the same you know exactly. and so i really i really really love love that for as the name of the of the conference, so is it gonna? It's gonna be. You said it's gonna be in person or it's online. Yes. Okay. So we were supposed to have it last September, and what happened was, of course, with COVID and everything, we right. had to have a virtual uh, convention, and we had uh, some of the guests that were gonna attend as vendors and special guests come on, and we had a uh, presentation and so forth. Uh, it's you know it's still on YouTube. You can check it out on the GrillCon channel, and then for this year, we're hoping that you know, we're optimistic that things will be better and we'll be able to have something in person. Uh, and if not, then we'll make other uh, adjustments and so forth. But we're really trying to get this thing going. And do you mind if I uh, give folks connection, how they can well, reach us? Go, go right ahead. ahead. We plug well, yeah, up stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so if you simply go to grillcon.com, you can go to the website. And uh, you can you can register as a vendor, a volunteer. Uh, you can submit films, and we also are uh, looking for panelists. We're gonna have folks come out and do panels, or if you just want to donate, there's a donate button there as well. So that's grillcon.com, and like I said, it's gonna be September uh, 25th in Silver Spring, Maryland. That's what we're shooting for. All right, sensational. So make sure y'all keep your eyes out for that. Thank you. Um, I want to switch uh, gears back to um, back to Marvel for a moment because yes. they seem to be when we think about comics on the big screen, they seem to be the ones dominating mm -hmm. um, at this moment in time and have mm -hmm. moved into this other phase of um, now they're making shows. But are, do you you keep up with the the Marvel films and things? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Awesome. 
I, I got a friend of mine, we always go back and forth about Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by the first episode. Oh, yeah. He called me, like, what the heck is this? You see a ball? <laughs> like, what is this? I was like, accurate. <laughs> it's like they're going a different route. He's like, man, something got to blow up. Like, I got to see something. <laughs> in the second episode, he's like, all right, hold on, man. This is two episodes of sitcoms. What in the heck's going on? I'm like, trust me, it's going to happen. And I just think that's been, like, amazing what they've done with that. It was a really big surprise. I, I had your friend's re- reaction to the first episode. I'm like, what in the Dick Van Dyke is going on in this show? Like, what is, I'm like, what is it? This is so wacky, the whole mix-up of the dates. Like, this is very, this is something straight from Dick Van Dyke. And the second one kind of, I guess, being, like, I don't know if it was influenced by Bewitched or what. There's yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But um, I I have really, I've also been really enjoying it because I told Marcel, so I was like, or I asked him if he was going to watch it. And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't know either. And then we watched it. We haven't, we haven't missed it. I've been exactly going through those. I've, I've been scouring the web for like, if you look in this frame, this milk bottle, <laughs> <laughs> the milk bottle turns into, and I did not expect to be so enthralled with. Yes. I, I know. I just I know. there there's so much to consume. <laughs> right. Uh, with Marvel, um, I wanted to ask, what is what are your thoughts overall about black representation mm-hmm. in the film franchise? Because we yeah. we we kind of, I mean, if we're thinking, it kind of starts with Iron Man, right? Where yeah. the first their first like movie and Terrence Howard is is the black representation in that right. film, but doesn't get to carry it out. Right. We, I can't remember. I think me and Marcellus have joked about like, or there's a joke about like, what if <laughs> Howard had continued all the way through, but he was still kind of like in his character from like Hustle yes. and Hustle and Flow. Oh. Next time, man. What are your What are your thoughts about the like this whole? They have this whole, I guess, what is it? Phase one, phase two of right. movies. Right. Um, the representation of black people in throughout those films. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like it's I, I find it very interesting. You know, it, it was exciting to see uh, Rhodes on the big screen uh, when when I heard that Terrence Howard was going to be playing him. That was exciting for me because I remember, like I remember seeing Rhodes in the comic books, seeing him on the big screen, and so forth. And I like the way that they kind of like played with his presence, where he was just more than the sidekick. You know, he had his own identity and so forth. Because all too often in the comic books, a lot of times, it's been one criticism where a lot of black characters, they were a little more than like a carbon copy or pale comparison to another hero, you know. Uh, so I like the way that they're giving these characters their own identity and so forth. I really like that. And it was a great scene. I believe it was uh, Civil War. Mm. I wanted to see. You had a scene where you had uh, War Machine, Falcon, and the Black Panther, like on the screen at the same time, you uh, know. And I'm sitting like, oh my god, that is awesome. And if if when you've been denied that, like some people might take that for granted, may not see that as a big deal. But when you've been denied that for for such a long time, mm-hmm. you know, to see that is like, wow, that's incredible. Um, but it's also interesting. I think like the Black Panther film, for example, I think a large part of what made that so successful was who gave it voice. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you saw Kugler behind the screen and so forth. So I think that a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sensitivity went into creating that film and so forth. And, and I think it prompted a lot of discussion. There were parts of it that I found problematic, but at the same time, overall, really enjoyed it. Great film, seen it so many times. Because what was so cool was I didn't know it was creating a Black Panther movie when I wrote the book. So it comes out around <laughs> this and when I tell you I saw that movie in the first two weeks, it had to be about seven times because I kept getting invited to go to different places <laughs> to speak on it. So I always get a free ticket. <laughs> I have to go watch it and I had to go lecture on it. Like one time I lectured in the theater. Like they had a room, you know, they had these little playrooms. They reserved a room and I actually lectured a group of kids in the theater before we went to see the Black Panther. So that was like really great. I didn't know that Luke Cage was coming to Netflix. Yes. So once again, I get like, man, you gotta talk about this. What about Netflix? You know, what about what do you think about Luke Cage on Netflix? So uh like I said, it, it provided a great opportunity and it was just really a matter of timing for me that when this came out, all of these things started to happen. But back to your to your to your question, I think it's great that we're seeing these characters on the big screen. And I think that the inspiration that it's giving is more valuable than anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, when you don't see it, uh, or I should say, when you've seen white characters all the time, if you're a white young person growing up, you just took it for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't even think about it. It was, it was white superheroes everywhere. You know, you're a black kid, you know. Once again, you know, I remember as a kid, yeah, there were black characters in cartoons and so forth, but you ain't really want to be them. No, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They were there, but you didn't want to be them because they didn't get the cool lines. They didn't, the way that they were shown was like they were just there. Mm. So you didn't really want to be them. Like I remember watching, um, was it Stranger Things? Mm. And they dressed up Busters. And then the black kid was like, hold on now. You know, why I gotta be (laughs) black kid? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, yeah, we're there. But we were represented in a way that you didn't really want to beat them. It was like good to see, right. but you didn't want to beat them. So I think to see, you know, kids dressing up as the Black Panther, be it cosplay or, you know, if they if they're celebrating Halloween, whatever the case might be, the same with Storm. Mm. And now I can imagine with, you know, WandaVision, you see uh the real the first Captain Marvel, they blew that one. That one I didn't yeah. like. I was like, she was Captain Marvel first. What are you doing? So, you know, I guess she'll be Photon, you know, named after a mom or whatever. But I'm sure that's going to be a character that kids are going to be playing and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the actual figures that's coming out of that. You know, that's another thing that people, you know, once again, may underappreciate. You know, growing up, I remember my parents, they were big on buying me black uh, action figures. Needless to say, my action figure collection was rather limited. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, I remember I had Star Trek. I had two action figures from Star Trek. They bought me Spock because they said, okay, that's a bulky. We'll let that one slide. (laughs) (laughs) And Uhura. What am I going to do with Uhura? What am I going to do with Uhura? Like, like she was there, but it's not like you can go, like, you can't. <laughs> behind the desk, so it's like you know. 
So to see that is something else. You talk about like Miles Morales, to see him as an action figure, see him as an animated figure, see him as a video game. Mm -hmm. You know, once again, what's great about this young generation is it's normal for them. Yeah. You know, this is not exceptional. I think that's that's a really a really good thing. Oh, and, and, and thank you guys. I get the geek out. Like nowhere else. <laughs> Yeah, I go like when <laughs> kids had nowhere else would I be asked to leave. Like interviewing <laughs> No. We're, we're all, no, we're we're all we're nowhere else. So thank yes. you for letting me geek out. This is awesome. We're 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 happy to have you here. You um so we we've talked about which Marvel movies have we talked about? We've talked about Black Panther Black I think Panther. twice on our on our show. Uh, and the first time we talked about it, we talked about it in comparison, comparing oh. Wakanda to Drexia. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. the, the tech, like the kind of myth mythology from the techno group from De Detroit built around it and like which place would we rather be and like where, mm -hmm. you know, giving reasons why. And then I think the second time we talked about Black Panther, we talked about it in relation the to the actual Black, yeah. Black Panthers, um, <laughs> which, I, I had told, uh, we had another guest on at that time, Irene, and I was telling Irene and Marcellus that, you know, I had family members when the Black Panther movie came out, they were really confused when they went to the theater because they thought they were going to see a movie about right. the actual Black Panthers. And I'm right. like, I was like, what, 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 okay, I'm like, okay, but right, right. I just, I'll just be quiet and y'all work through, work through, <laughs> work through this. Um, but I, you mentioned like there are parts of the film that mm. you know maybe were problematic for you. What do you mind talking about? Yeah, what sure, the sure. Were? Um, so, like I said, overall great experience. But a uh, couple things that struck me, two main things that struck me was it still played upon this idea of an African nation being embroiled in a civil war. Mm. You know, it went back to that idea, and even when you read the comic. Most of the comic is about internal problems within Wakanda, that mm. they're fighting one another, and the Black Panther keeps finding himself in this position where he has to like quell the violence. And you see that a lot, you know. Uh, and I think that that was one of the things I was like, wow, because when you look at the film, I ain't saying they had to go around killing a bunch of white people, but only like what a couple of white people died. Like they weren't fighting anyone else; they yeah. were fighting each other, you know. And so I found that interesting. I also found it interesting that uh, at the end, when he goes before the UN to speak, I was like, wow, why didn't he go before the African Union before he went before the United Nations? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like that, was, I, when I was watching that, I was struck by that. And I remember at the end when he's talking, I don't know what country the, the guy was from, but he sounded South African. But he was like, excuse me, what do you have to offer other than some sheep or something like that, he says at the end. And he just kind of smiled. I just found it interesting that I thought that he would have learned the lessons that he said that he had learned and would have helped out the continent of Africa first. And I know Marvel got to do its thing and they can't right. do storylines, but I can't help it. When I see these films, that's where my mind goes. So that was the other thing that struck me was, why didn't he go for the African Union first and then mm. the United Nations? And it's interesting when you talk about this this idea that some people thought was going to be about the Black Panther Party. I think it was John Singleton. 
uh, had submitted an original idea for the Black Panther film and it was rejected. And I was reading, I think it was John Singleton, it had to be John Singleton, where uh, his original idea did incorporate the uh, Black Panther Party, where I believe the film was going to take place in the 1970s, you know, and it, and the idea was rejected. It was like, do you know who the comic book character is? Because he wanted to incorporate that idea. So I thought that that was interesting. But yeah, those were the two things that really uh, struck me when I was watching that film. And like I said, I think that the positives outweighed those things. But once again, just because entertainment and just because we are uh, happy to see it, proud to see it, mm-hmm. doesn't mean we can't critique it. Right. And that's the other thing that uh, I don't ever want us to fall into the trap of, because I think like when we're entertained, entertainment has this effect of causing us many times to like lower our defenses and people will just send all kind of messages and we don't question it because we're like, man, it's just a bunch of robots, just a bunch of monsters. What do they got to do with anything? And when it's entertainment, that's when those real subliminal messages can probably be sent in even more. So if you were watching, you know, like if you're watching, um, you know, like you got uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, mm-hmm. you're watching that, your antenna's up because it's a serious subject. Mm-hmm. It's being presented as a historic piece. So you're really paying attention to what's going on. Did this happen? Did that happen? But when it's entertainment, you relax a little bit. If it's a cartoon, you relax a lot. And that's when they can send out, if we're not you know, critical, they can send out some, some very serious uh, uh, messages that may be detr- detrimental to us. Yeah, I agree completely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, your point about Black Panther, and I, I feel like I didn't even, re- it didn't even dawn on me about the Civil War thing, mm-hmm. about them being in Civil War and how Africa is always portrayed in in this way of constantly just fighting amongst themselves. Um, well, we had we, kind of, we, we had talked about the idea of um, if this was the, the sort of the fictionalized black people and what this really could be like, why does this feel like this nation's being run? Uh, what was the term we used? Oh, I don't remember. Cause we, but we, I, we talked about the isolationism and that yes. that was just, that was not that's not Afrocentric it's, at all. Right. <laughs> at all. Right, right, right. So even right. even that 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 line of that line of thought of uh, of pro- proving its usefulness outside. Right. So what what is the truth? Are we isolating? Or are we, what is the, what's the, right. what is the cultural exchange? What's the actual relationship yeah. with, it's always, it makes me think of the, the idea that, um, blackness in, whether it's like, you know, whatever medium it is, the like, written form, media, the things we're consuming mm-hmm. has to be a shadow to like the whiteness, the light of whiteness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> how do we. How do you run away from that? How do you get out of that that sort of that goal? Right. right. Uh, I, I think you get out of it through, you know, Afrofuturism. I think that is the solution to that. Uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, in, in looking at this this, this concept developed, because it's relatively new, the term itself, you know, for the for your listeners that may not know, was coined in the 90s. Now, that's not to say that's the only time that's when black folks started writing science fiction, because going back to your point about the Harlem Renaissance, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois had actually written a short story, a science fiction short story called The Comet, 
where he looked at, you know, the last remnants of humanity, like a black guy, a white guy, and so forth. And as a matter of fact, they made it into a film called, oh man, God, the God, the man and the devil, something like that. It actually starred Harry Belafonte, where he was like the last black man on the planet. And uh and there was only two other people left. There was a white guy that was a racist, and it was a white woman that was in love with him. So <laughs> <laughs> That's going on my watch list right now. That's one of the earlier science fiction films to have a black character. So I'm saying, like, you know, Du Bois saw the power of science fiction. He used it. Uh, If you, if your, if your listeners are familiar with Frantz Fanon, uh, Wretched of the Earth, uh, Black Skin's White Mask, he talked about the power of comic books in that book. So it's something we've always been aware of, something we've always known, something we've always contributed to, okay? It's just that in the 90s, the term gets coined. So when we talk about, you know, getting out of the shadow, I think that is the solution. People cannot underappreciate the power of myth. Myth is very powerful. It's not just uh, bedtime stories. These mythologies, these uh, fantastic worlds that we create become our future. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, just 20 years ago, what we're doing right now was a scene in a science fiction movie. This idea of having a conversation, we're looking at each other, we're miles apart. That's science fiction. That's the Jetsons. You know, you know, you look at you look at uh, Star Trek. Pretty much everything on there exists now. Yeah. You know, you go back and you look at the original Total Recall. You know, oh, yeah. you, you the way he, I think he picked a movie, you know, Netflix style. You know, so. We create these futures. So this, this Afrofuturistic movement is so important for black people because through this creation of mythology, we're going to create our own futures. So we have to be the ones telling that story. I agree completely. I, I think yeah. especially in the sense that there, I can't imagine well, one, having already, like, you know, g- growing and kind of being nurtured by some of these these stories that we see in sort of, like, the, the both in the music and in, like, the, the both in, like, comic books and that sort of, um, this, this media that engages you and kind of does encourage you to, like, yeah, go ahead, go outside, uh, I'll be Black Panther, you'll be Sherry, like, the whole, like, the, it invites you to immerse yourself. Yes, I am so excited, um, and I'm curious to see what uh, what y'all might envision of of uh, of this generation that is going going to emerge now that always has mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. What is, and they still have the opportunity to go back and like discover, like okay, yes. this is what is Drexia? What are these things? What are these these sort of right. where are the roots? Um, I'm right. curious to see what that what that means for for the next sort of. The, the youngins that are coming up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to go a long way. You know, what is it going to look like when you have, you know, men and women elected to office and they remember the stories of Wakanda, you know, and they remember, you know, seeing uh, Falcon, you know, carrying that Captain America shield. It's going to have an impact. It may not be anything that's ever stated, you know, but it will have an impact the same way the negative imagery had an impact on us, even though we didn't necessarily say it. 
you know, it had an impact. You look at some of the imagery that's contained in music videos and so forth. There's a direct line, you know, between what you're seeing in some of these music videos and what you saw, like, you know, coming out of like my mom and pop's generation and my grandparents' generation with blackface and things like that. You know, you don't necessarily say it, but you can see that connection. So my, so to your point, it, I think that moving forward, when you have uh, this younger generation, their first introduction to superheroes might have been the Black Panther. Their first introduction to politics might have been Barack Obama and Kamala Harris. You know, those things combine. And it's going to be real interesting to see what they do with that imagery. And as a point of caution, we also have to be mindful because every time we build up these positive images, here they come with the negatives. Right. To, to try to balance it out or try to eliminate the positives. So you also see at the same time this um, uptick or this increasing negative imagery and presence of, of Black people. And I don't think that's any accident. I, you're making me kind of think more too about the the, because you're right, it's not an accident. Um, it's, right. it's very intentional. Mm -mm. I think it sometimes, and I don't know if uh, uh, how y'all feel about it. I, the awareness mm -hmm. <laughs> that 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 that's uh, happening. I'm right. curious if also that's going to only become more and more sensitive like is the to what degree because you when you when you talked about it earlier the idea of you know the the things we're consuming like even cartoons being able to drop our guard a little bit and allowing yeah. things to this to be entertained is to like it's still to be learning you're learning something yes. um i am curious as as things start to progress and we see more and more opportunity to have representation if there's going to be a sort of what's the I'm looking for the the, the word because I, I find myself like I guess for example watching um, watching like WandaVision I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily I'm not looking for the the my first watch through is just full enjoyment and then I go oh, right, right, right. watch the episode again let me actually <laughs> do right, I, right, right. how do I feel about this mm -hmm. you know what is uh to be critical of something and, and being mm -hmm. cautious of what it is doing and saying um I wonder how our increased you know knowledge and having having like right. work, books and works like yours where we become aware of the things that are being done is that going to change is the media going to change to continue to have its uh its oh. power right because the nice. that's a, i feel like it's a the storyteller has some level of power and if if we mm -hmm. become aware what does that do for that for that process oh. um i think it makes you step your game up i think you can't get away with the same old stuff you used to get away with yeah, okay. you, know, <laughs> you know like folks just ain't going for it so it's going to force new creators to think more, you know, like if you see an old movie, mm. you know, and they roll the credits, you'll just see like Thug One, Thug Two, yes. Thug Three. <laughs> <laughs> no thought given to who these people are, what their story, stories are and so mm. forth. So I think what happens is the more aware people become, you're challenged now as a creator, as a writer, 
Now, let's be let me be clear. I'm not saying you can't have black folks acting a certain type of way. It doesn't always have to be positive. Mm-hmm. It has to be honest. You know what I'm saying? And it has to show the complexity or the same degree of complexity that white audiences have enjoyed for generations. So like people always talk about when you see black characters in a film, first thing people start screaming is pandering. Well, my response is Hollywood been pandering to white people since its creation. No one called that pander. Like you're a hero in every film. (laughs) 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 You know, you see handedly killing like every Native American in town. Like, you know, you're killing people by the hundreds of thousands. That's 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 pandering. Mm-hmm. Tarzan, pandering, you know. But all of a sudden, when we're the focal point, when we're the hero, when we're the heroine, now it's pandering. So in saying that, I also want to see a great black villain on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see that 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 villain that's at that level of that Lex Luthor or Doctor Doom on the big screen. I remember in uh Doctor Strange, I really want to see what they do with Mordo. I really hope that they do something great with him because I think he has the makings of a great villain in terms of his motivations. You know, when basically he's right, you know, you can argue he's going about it the wrong way. You know, I thought Killmonger was a great villain. Now, when I say villain, I'm only saying that because that's how they painted him. Wasn't a villain to me. Right. Yeah. They're like, I don't know. We should be wearing that suit, you know. <laughs> He's starting to make some sense. I don't really. Yeah, like, mm, okay, okay. But I thought it was great the way that he was created, and once again, given the complexity that he was due. Because one of the criticisms of a lot of Marvel films was that the villains, you know, were like two dimensional, mm. and I thought Killmonger uh, broke that mold. So I want to see black folk be able to be represented in all our complexity. We're not always the good guy, you know? We can be the hero and the villain. But once again, in that, just show the complexity. Be honest, be sensitive, be genuine. And I think people will get it. People will respond to it. Yeah. No one, you know, you know, looking at WandaVision, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, there's only one black dude in town. That yeah. didn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm thinking about that. Because it, because that's what it is. That's what it was. So it's not even a question of every time there's a film, you got to include black people, you got to include Latino people. But when we're there, give us our just doing respect. And right. I think that's what you want to see more than anything else. Right. Don't just have us in there filling a quota. That's- exactly. And see, that's, what, that's what I'm wary of. Because whenever I, I start enjoying myself, I, I, wait, I have like a moment of pause and go, is this gonna? Is this, is this, is this okay? <laughs> what is is because sometimes there is that I think the, um, and I I say it with some love in my heart. Uh, I think it is it is it is easy to, um, especially with social media, to mm-hmm. to hear, um, like the mob start to form. Um, right. In a case where it's like we want representation, we want these things, but like you said, like an honest sort of, not, not diversity, but inclusion, like in storytelling, like mm-hmm. ha- having mm-hmm. having like oh there's there's people in this world, but it is a world. It's it's yes. a whole, <laughs> there's a lot of, a yes. lot of breath. Um, I had seen well, it it made me chuckle. <laughs> um. It was before, when I was doing research for. Uh, we had an episode where we talked about re- recently about um, 
the origins of Captain America and like the idea of the black Captain America that yes. emerges in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had I read uh, someone talking about, um, I don't like that Captain America is a white man. I don't feel represented by that. Uh, and it, it was uh, someone had like responded to that statement. Oh, well, there is also this. And then we have Falcon and we have this. And right. said, no, not like that. And it was very much like a <laughs> like there's there's a there's a pull a push and pull right with with right, these right. stories. But... Right. The one thing that, that I found funny about Captain America when I saw the when I saw the movie was you had this white guy go to sleep in the in the forties, wakes up, <laughs> and the first face he sees of authority is Nick Fury. And he ain't never say what the heck happened. <laughs> I was like, why? That to me would have been realistic. Like he didn't ask. Like the first, the first black person giving you orders. Not he's like, question. wait a minute. Now when I went to sleep, <laughs> there could be a whole a whole nother movie. Yeah, I'm like, dude, how how is he not asking that question? You know, I thought that that was really interesting. I was like, why is Marvel afraid to deal with that? Because in the Avengers, if you remember, when Loki made his presence known, and remember the scene in the Avengers where he makes like this whole crowd of people bow down before him? Mm-hmm. And this one guy, this elderly man stands up and was like, I've seen people like you before. He was acknowledging Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he, they, they acknowledged that. It wasn't the whole movie, but for an instance, they recognized that, you know? And I'm like, come on now. I wouldn't have been mad if Captain America wouldn't ask Nick Fury, what happened? Like, <laughs> like you know? So I, I think that once again, that's the that's what I, you know, that we talk about the honesty. That's mm-hmm. what we want to see uh in the films. And yeah, I thought it was great. And once again, they they, they raised the question, like if you had a soldier serum back then, you wouldn't have gave it to white people first. You would have tested it out on black folks. True. That made perfect sense. So I thought that that was really uh a nice addition to the Marvel Universe. I thought that was really cool. That that argument was on Twitter. I remember seeing it, and people people were. <laughs> it was vicious, you know. It, it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and, and, and let me just say this: going back to I was talking about some of these independent comic books coming up. Mm. Get out and support them. You know, I'm I'm a big proponent of independent comic books. Marvel and DC, great job, long history, but they also got a checkered past. They had to learn how to represent black people, Latino people, Asian people properly. They had to learn that. You got these independent comic books, nobody had to teach them. Out the gate, they came out telling the right stories, representing people properly. Reward them for that. You know, if you're unhappy with what uh, Marvel is doing with, with Captain America, or you're unhappy with you know, what they're doing with uh, Vixen in DC or something like that, show your support for these other comic book companies, these independent companies that are telling these stories in the way that, you know, you want them to be told. That's how these things last. All of us vote with our dollars every single day. You know, your dollar is a ballot, you know? So when 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 these companies start to see these black comic book companies, Latino-owned companies and so forth start to come up, then it's like, oh man, we got to do something different, you know. Anime, this this explosion of anime, you know, that's changing the way uh, U.S. companies are telling their stories. Mm-hmm. You didn't have this serialized cartoons like you have now. 
years ago. It was a one-off. You right. know what I'm saying? It was a one-off. But when they saw the success of anime, they began to incorporate that storytelling style into their media because they had to catch up, you know? So, and, and because people were supporting anime and, and manga with their dollars. So do the same for these for these independent comic book companies that's out here. Absolutely. Well, absolutely, I agree. Are there, are there any specific... I know you had mentioned a few names before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any, like, ones that you wear on your sleeve? You're like, this this company. I've been, been rocking with them yeah. for, for... Yeah, for- like I said, uh, now we go way back. Wow, I remember. And as he came back, I was excited to see that. This comic book called Numidian Force, you know, uh, that was something that I remember as a kid. I was in a bookstore in Brooklyn, and I was in a black bookstore, and they had it on the shelf. And I was like, man, I gotta get this, you know, and just because it, it had me, you know, on the cover. I think Brother Man is another one. We talk about longstanding uh, comic book characters. That's one that's been around for a long time. And that comic was recently featured, you know, before all the shutdown and everything, mm-hmm. recently featured at the African American History Museum here in D.C. to kind of mm-hmm. show its significance and prominence. Uh, like I said, EXO, uh, coming out of Unique Studios, I think they just cut a deal with, what's the Image Comics? I read that. I yeah, really so, excited. and what was cool was he was, the the, uh, the founder was actually at my first Comic-Con because I tracked him down. He was at some book signing, and I mean, I drove, I was in the middle of nowhere in Maryland. Like, this, this <laughs> I love this comic, and he's going to be at my convention. It's going to be big. I, I really expect this thing to go places. And um, he came out, you know, and on uh, a couple of uh, – I shoot a series as well for Afrofuturism Network called the Afroverse. And if you go there, you will see he was one of my first interviews. Ooh. So to see what he's done with that I think is amazing. And I went to Tuskegee University, so I love all things Tuskegee. When I saw this comic, like I mentioned earlier, Tuskegee Airs, Wow, I gotta get this. You know, you have this modern te- retelling of the Tuskegee Airmen. I just mm. thought that that was fascinating. Uh, like I said, Power Knights is another one that I'm enjoying. Um, there's so many, you know, and, and I'm forgetting some. I know folks out there that uh, PB Soldier coming out of uh, New Jersey is another one that uh, I think is great. Uh, wow, Night Seeker. Like, I can go on and on. <laughs> People say, well, how many comic books do you have? I say, a room. And I just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I just leave it at that. So, you know, uh, but yeah, like I said, you, you got to support, you know, with your dollars. And like I said, through my company, this was an opportunity for me to show my love and support by, by putting on these events and so forth. And when I come on venues such as this, shout these character create the characters and the creators out, their companies out, and hopefully folks are listening and this will turn them on and you know they'll do that Google search or whatever and go pull them up. So yeah. that's that's my contribution as well. That's what's about. It's that it's that the oh, right. word of mouth and the, the being able to because the web only gets stronger the more the more people Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and if I may, I don't, you know, am I, I guess I'm supposed to talk a lot. I don't know. I hope I'm not no, talking. Yes. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm always, that's... I'm always cognizant because when I get excited about stuff, I just tend to go. So, um, but you know, one of, one of the things that we also have to be aware of is we can't be embarrassed 
by the things that we create. And what I mean by that is all too often, I see this happen with black people a lot. They create something and then they don't want to take ownership of it. They're almost ashamed to say it's theirs, you know, uh, and they're so quick to want to invite everybody else in. You know, they create something. Say, oh, we can have some white people come. We got to circle the wagons around your creativity and be proud of it. You know, and it's not to say that other people can't buy it, other people can't do whatever, but understand and take ownership of it. Because if you don't, other people will and they'll sell it back to you. You know, you, right. you saw this with, 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 with uh, hip hop, mm. you know. Black folk got embarrassed to say, you know, black people created it. You started hearing them say, no, white people did it. And we lose it. Don't be embarrassed to take ownership of what you create. There's no shame in that. Like I mentioned anime before. Anyone is free to create an anime movie. But when you do it, there's certain rules you got to abide by or else people are going to say that's not anime. Right. It has to look a certain way. It has to sound a certain way. Or else people are going to say you're not following the rules of that genre. So we're going to have this Afrofuturistic movement and we're going to have these black uh, creators putting things out. Don't be ashamed to say it's yours. And as a black customer, don't be embarrassed to buy it. You know, I've had many conversations with black creators and they say when at these comic book conventions, a lot of black customers will walk by their table and not acknowledge them. Simply because, you know, it's like, I don't want to look like I'm the black guy buying the black comic book. I don't want to look like I'm the black woman. This is what they told me. This is what they told me. Because once again, I think that we can sometimes feel embarrassed to take ownership of stuff. And we always have to feel like we have to include everyone else to make it valid. Or we wait for other people to put their stamp of approval on it before we say, yeah, now that's cool. Before it feels you know what I'm saying? Legitimized. From the ground up, we got you know we got to be cognizant. It's not everyone, but it does happen. Yeah, there's there's freedom in embracing what you've made, and exactly you know like waiting for white people to co-sign it. Like they don't know, like right. <laughs> they don't know. They, don't know. Right. they right. steal stuff from us, so you can't. Right. You know how can you? And they may never. They That's true. Right. That too. So many times when they co-sign, they end up planting a flag on it. Exactly. That's the other thing you gotta be mindful of. You know what I'm saying? So that's the other thing you gotta be mindful of. Goodness gracious. Well, are we I don't I we could keep going. Where are we on where are we on the time ourselves? We are uh we've been recording for an hour and thirteen minutes. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. I've been, I got my, I got, I can't <laughs> split my eyes, but I kept it on there. I've been a pretty good time. <laughs> okay. Because sometimes, you know, we, we Ooh, originally we two were hours recording. really long. Yeah. Really easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I can keep going. You know, I can keep going. So <laughs> you let me know when to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be sitting here talking. And another thing, y'all like, okay. <laughs> Thank you, brothers. <laughs> Do you have any so what are what are you watching um on TV nowadays? Or what are there any shows that you're watching? Wow. Uh all right, so in terms of anime, mm-hmm. I got so many. You know, uh one that I'm really enjoying, uh Promise Neverland. Ooh. That is uh, amazing. I uh, just saw the latest episode today. 
Um, that's an incredible one. I'm, I, in terms of anime, I'm waiting to see the Demon Slayer movie. Mm. Uh, this it, it it got released in Japan. Things like the top earning film in Japan. Oh, I think yeah. they released it in Florida in the theaters. I read somewhere that it, yeah, I was like, how does Florida get that gift? I feel a little so bit about, about that one. Uh, My Hero Academia, of course. I think that's coming up. I think the new season's going to start in a couple of weeks. Uh, in terms of television, as we talked about, WandaVision, mm-hmm. I think that is just a fantastic story. I think they're changing the way that people are going to tell stories when it comes to comic books. Uh, love The Watchmen. You know, I thought that was really well done. But, yeah. you know, I was when, when they said they were making it into a television series, I was a little nervous. It's like, I don't know about that. Then when I saw, like, just the stills and the pictures, I was like, these folks wasn't in the comic, you know? <laughs> and then when I saw the story unfold, uh, I thought that that was uh, a great, uh, uh, you know, a, a great series. And so hopefully they leave it at one season. I really I do. do. I hope they leave it at one season. It feels yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. Say again? So it was complete? Oh, I, it, feel, it feels complete. It feels like it's yeah. Yeah. a, a one-breath yeah. kind of like. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary to uh, to go back over those. And like, you know, there's, there's films out there that you like, you, you know yourself when you go watch a film that you got to prepare yourself for. I'm still trying to prepare myself to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm, I haven't seen it yet. Like, I got to mentally be in that space to enjoy certain types of films uh, and to get something out of it. Because, you know, you, you're familiar with read the stories of the Black Panther and so forth, Black Panther Party. And uh, you're familiar with, the, you know, you, you know the stories of these assassinations that took place against these uh, men uh, and, and women, you know, within the party and so forth. So when I saw the film, I was really excited for it. But like I said, I really got to be in the right space uh, to to enjoy that. So I'm really looking forward to just sitting down and, and, and taking that one in because I heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. But yeah, like there's, there's so many uh, films and TV shows and so forth. The CW stuff. I got to admit that started to wear on me. I haven't <laughs> seen that in yet yet uh, because it got repetitive in the way that the stories were being told. Uh, like the Flash, you know, like you still can't get it right. Like, like dude, you've been to Flash. Like, how many more times are you going to complain about the mistake that you're he still made? still not fast enough. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, you're not far as gunk. Like, every time that's the, like, that's always a run. Like, he gets it. That's what he does. You don't have to tell him. It's still not fast enough. And he keeps messing up the time. Real, You know what got me when I was watching The Flash? And, and I was like, how does this happen? They do some of the most horrendous things to each other. And they always make up. So, like, he caused, he caused Vibe's brother to die. And he got over it. I'm like, how do you get over that? Like, you change the gender of uh 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 what was it uh green arrows kid or something like that like you know he makes these incredible mistakes and people keep forgiving him like nah turn your ring in you're done you're not horrible <laughs> at this job you know what I'm get back to this the lab there's no yeah like stick to forensics that's your thing so <laughs> the cw stuff got a little redundant uh but i think it's great that you have this choice now of quality uh, superhero uh, movies and television and stuff like that. So 
that's always something to look forward to in science fiction as well. So that's great for me. What about what about y'all? What do y'all what do y'all enjoying? What y'all watching? I, I just watched Fast Color last night for the first yes. time, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I um and I was trying to find people's reviews of it afterwards, and people I feel like people were confused about what they saw. Like they mm-hmm. were trying to put it into a context of it being strictly like a her as a superhero, mm-hmm. but it's more of a sci-fi like fantasy. Mm-hmm. Where she, you know, this generation, these three generations of women have these abilities, right? But they were trying to make her, they were, and like one reviewer was trying to make her solve racism or something. And I'm just right. like, what like, why can't y'all just have a story about black women and their family, them coming together, having to work through right. their issues with each other, right? The daughter having to work through abandonment issues and the mother and other and grandmother having to do, you know, all this kind of work and secrets being right. unveiled. Like, that's more honest storytelling to me, but I don't. I don't know. I guess people, whenever you know, someone says something is sci-fi, they want. They, I guess, you know, because Marvel is dominated, so they want it to be in that particular right. realm. Right. And it's just it does not everything's going to look like that. Like there's space right. for it to be so much more than that. And one of the, I think, one of the scariest things about Fast Color to me was the water crisis and how. Right. We're not that far off from that <laughs> right. at all, right? It right. hasn't rained in eight years there, and there's they can't right. you can buy like an old used gallon of water for twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. and there's the hotel rooms don't have faucets and like mm-hmm. just what just wild to think about. It, but we could be there in the next mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. It could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw that. I really, I really enjoyed it. Mind you, it's not written by. I don't think it's written by black people. The director, mm. the director is like their husband and wife, and they're they're both white, mm. but they still. I feel like I it didn't. I don't know. You've you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. As I was talking, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah and, so. and I think you know, like when people say, "Well, can people of other races tell stories and so forth?" Certainly, I wouldn't put limitations on anyone to tell whatever story they want to tell. Once again, I think if you do your due diligence and you treat it with respect and you mm-hmm. do the proper research, mm-hmm. you know, you end up with products like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that people should understand because certainly, you know, if you start saying who can create and who can't, you're going to put a lot of people out of work. Right. Black folk, you know what I'm saying? So you want to, you can tell whatever story, but I think as long as you are uh, sensitive and responsible with your storytelling, you know, I think that um, it works, you know, I think I think it could work. So yeah, I saw Fast Color uh, some time ago. I remember that one. Uh, Marcel, what about you? What have you been watching? I uh, I've I've been. I feel like my 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 routine has been to watch four different animes like an episode mm-hmm. while I'm eating. <laughs> um, I've also I've been waiting on that Demon Slayer movie. Uh, been mm-hmm. waiting, but I've been watching um this series. Uh, well, two. Well, I've been rewatching every and watching a new uh, new series and watching uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. It's I, I think the English translation is it doesn't sound as nice. It's called Wizard Fight. <laughs> it, doesn't sound, it doesn't roll off the off the tongue, but uh, it makes use of a lot of sort of these these idea of the like curses within Japan having this sort of physical embodiment and, and 
people who can see those things training to be right. able to how do you exercise and it's you know it's action oriented but it has these just gnarly depictions of what those curses look like and the idea that the more people believe in a negative feeling or thing the stronger that curse could be and there's a character represented in that show of people's just hatred of one another becoming this like very powerful being and so i I found that series really interesting um and the 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 show i'm rewatching uh it's called keep your hands up uh aizo ken and it's just these three uh high school age girls uh, mm-hmm. learning how to animate and making their own animation and like trying to it just it's very wholesome in that they're all coming together right. like one of them really loves how to uh, really loves characters and dr- drawing like the motion of things the other is just lore and background and setup and the other one is just you know mm-hmm. I like money um, right. <laughs> so they kind of come together and it just made me think of the sort of both high school and undergrad kind of that experience finding people who want to make things so that's been gotcha. feeding my soul with those. Right. Right. Oh, I forgot. I, I'm watching Attack on Titan, which I, I, at the beginning of this season of the podcast, I had never seen it before. I did. I, I'm caught up to the current season of it. So I've been watching that and it's been really interesting that they've you know this last season they've aged up their the characters in the sense of that their audience is also aged up too as well because i think the show came in like 2013 or 14 and so seeing this kind of like it is it's becoming very political like it's about like nations and ethnic cleansing and all of this kind of stuff that's happening it's it's fascinating that you know, you're like you mentioned before with anime, you get these really complex storytelling that's right. happening. Like right. I'm more invested in this storytelling than wanting to, you know, try and pick up a, another show on, you know, CBS or NBC or something. Right. <laughs> right, you know, right, right. Um, just because of how nuanced it is. You know, whereas like if I get committed to like there was a show I think that came that literally debuted on Monday called Debris. I haven't watched it yet. Um, okay. Like, is it going to make it for the second right. season? You know, like, that's the other thing. Sometimes you get invested in these shows and the networks are just kind of like, yeah, let's not do that. Oh, yeah, I've been <laughs> I've been disappointed so many times. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I will look to see if a show gets canceled. Like, if it's, if it's been on for a while and makes its way to Netflix, I'll see if it got canceled before I invest in it. I've gotten it too many times. And, they, and the thing is, they always ended on like some major cliffhanger. Yes. <laughs> like, can we get a, a book, a paperback or something? Write a short story, tell me what happened. You know, so I remember when Lost was popular. Oh, yes. And I didn't even talk about how it ended because that's another two hours. But uh, <laughs> I remember there was another show and they were trying, I guess, kind of get that same vibe. It was called The Event. Oh. And it was Blair Underwood. I think I remember and that. basically where they were getting this planet ready for an alien invasion. Mm. And the last episode, the planet showed up, like in the Earth's atmosphere, where you could visually see this planet showing up. And in the credits roll, and they canceled the show. <laughs> 
violence. So, don't like it. <laughs> I was like, I am not getting invested. I'm waiting on every show, build up something, and then I can get invested. But yeah, the anime, that's what I like is they're, they're not afraid to let the characters age. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid to like kill off your favorite characters sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Like they take chances, and I think they're being rewarded by you know strong viewership and readership. Like folks love it, you know. And I think like U.S. Uh, cartoons and shows are just really getting caught up in many ways to that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of that as well. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the event. Did either one of you ever see? Um, and it was, it's always those shows are always in the summer that get canceled. Right. Um, Halle Berry had like a sci-fi show years ago called Extant. Where she was, and you saw, you're like, I saw it. That's why I saw it. It did not get me with that one. I'm like, yeah, she's fine. You're not going to get me. That's not, no, I already know the game. So it didn't get me with that one. <laughs> like, nope, nope. Exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. The, the one, she's an astronaut. She goes out in yeah. space. She comes back. She's pregnant. But don't yeah. remember how she got pregnant <laughs> in outer space, and it yeah. it was just it was it was entertaining to watch. But then they they canceled it, yeah. and then several years before, I think on the same network there was a show called V, which was a remake of a series called I think The Visitors. Yeah. I think and it was also left, called V. It was also yeah. called V. Okay, yeah. they they you know left us hanging on that too. The Visitors were here. They had started catching people and. Yeah. We didn't know what was going to happen to the main yeah. characters. They're just like, nope, we're going I would, to I would strongly recommend you go watch the original miniseries of V. Mm, okay. Now, the, the, the special effects are dated. So I'll give you a heads up. Okay. <laughs> we prepared for some, for some, by today's standard, cheesy special effects. But it was a great show. And when you talk about the ability to educate through a uh, television series, you know, this was clearly about Nazism. Mm-hmm. It was just really amazing to see that play out um, on the screen, the way they were able to use science fiction to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that one, the original series, uh, I would rec- I would strongly recommend go back and check that. Because it, it doesn't, you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger. It's a miniseries. <laughs> you got beginning, middle, and end, so you won't be let down. And they followed it up with V, the final battle. One of the things, <laughs> one of the things that I, I don't like about science fiction and fantasy shows because they always do this, they include a baby, and for some strange reason, this baby always ends up aging ten or twenty years. Yes, it's a convoluted yes. reason why it happened. I'm like, just stop, don't do that because you already know if you're watching a science fiction or a fantasy film, it's I mean a TV series, and there's a baby in it. Something's gonna happen, and in the next episode, that baby's gonna be like twenty years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I hate that. I'm so tired of that trope. That needs to die. That needs to go away. With that and walking away from explosions. <laughs> and the three point hero landing. Sick oh of that. Gosh. Like I'm tired of seeing that. But yeah, like the baby always goes to like Dimension X and is. A different time zone, like they don't age the same in that dimension, and they come back and they're a grown person. Like, oh. come on. 
Let's make that happened in Angel. That happened exactly. in Angel. <laughs> yes. And I love Angel, but I'm like, come on, man. Connor really, he came back a grown man. I'm like, no. You just get, you just get tired of seeing that. They always find a reason to age him up. So that's the, those are those are a few of the tropes that I'm tired of seeing in, in these films. <laughs> I, I <laughs> My little so. rant. <laughs> we My little rant for the day. Be radical. Uh, have a grown I mean, man come back a baby. Let's make something. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. are we gonna do if the captain comes back and he can't speak? <laughs> that would be awesome. Now that would be incredible. Like have him start as a baby all over again. That would be something. Dragon Ball GT tried to do oh. that. They yes, tried. They tried. Yeah. <laughs> that just pulled something deep in the back. <laughs> I have forgotten. It's yes, not, a lot of people have. <laughs> it's, not, it's not canon anymore, apparently. No, so. no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the baby thing. The only baby I remember in a sci-fi show that got to stay a baby was it was a show on AMC called Into the Badlands. Yes. Um, yeah. I watched, if I think it was only three, again, another show that they just kind of like right. ended very abruptly. And right. you kind of never really got like a sense of what, like the world building was really interesting. There are no guns. There's no yeah. like mecha like truly mechanical things. Everyone fought mm -hmm. with swords. Yes. Um, but come to find out that there, this is somewhere like in the future because at the end, they do find it like they find a gun and like that's the right. thing. I'm like, really? That's the, <laughs> that's what that was all what all this was about. Famous cult and find you, find, you find a gun. Like that's <laughs> it. But the baby did get to stay a baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, walking dead, they kept the bit, they let her grow up. They let her grow up. She grew up a little fast, but they're still keeping it at a moderate pace. <laughs> they got season breaks or whatever. I, I can live with that one. But yeah, all the mother ones where it's like some baby grows up magically. I just tired of seeing that. Tired of seeing that one. They don't want to have uh, magic babies, I guess. They don't want to have like, a baby be right. a hero right. <laughs> as a baby. It just has to grow up and do something. It's like, why not? I, I, I guess there's so much action going on that you can't be, you know, fighting and trying to rock a baby at the same time. <laughs> like, we got to age him up real quick so he can join the battle. You know, yeah. so that's I guess that's the reason why they do it. But I'm like, why introduce babies if you're gonna do that? Yeah, all? That's true. I just thought about that ugly CGI baby from Twilight. Ooh, um, have you say that baby's ugly? Did you see the prop they were gonna use instead? <laughs> no. It, don't look it up if you're gonna go to sleep. <laughs> it's almost like the that that baby prop and the baby prop. Uh, I granted I didn't watch the movie. But I I heard rumors of the baby, and so I had to do my research. Um, <laughs> American Sniper has a very awkward-looking baby involved at some point. Really? Which the title doesn't make you think there'd be a baby. Right. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why is there a baby? Why is there a baby? I, I guess he maybe he comes home, and he's just right. like, you know, I'm trying to. But the uh, that, that what that that human the softness the the innocence, right? Can we use a flower <laughs> to show innocence or something else? Right. Or something I don't know. And I'm glad they kept Baby Yoda young. Yes. That, yes. That, that was yes. a good decision. A good. Day. I don't want them to come back in the next season of Mandalorian and then be like teenage Yoda. I don't need that. Baby. 
Let him, yeah, let him be a baby. I let thought him that stay was a baby. Nice. People love Baby Yoda. Yeah. Yes. Like leave him. The the yeah. I think the the last episode where he went. First, well, first of all, did we? I was confused because I was like, "What is Mark? That's Mark Hamill." Yeah, CGI oh, Mark Hamill. CGI Mark Hamill. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I was like, that man looks awfully familiar. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but I was so caught up in the moment of them saying goodbye. I was just like, right. what, is, what is this over here yeah. with the, with the CGI face? <laughs> like, <laughs> why did happening? we? Why did we do this? Right, right. You know. I loved the scene when he when he shows up with the cloak and they're looking at, you know, the monitor. Yes. You know, so my put it like this: my neighbors knew when that scene happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's Luke. <laughs> so I thought I thought that that was that's when we talk about what we're watching. That's another well done show. I'm really enjoying yes. the man. Looking forward to the book of Boba Fett. Yes. I thought that that was a great introduction to that series. I thought that that was really cool. So I like what they're doing with the Star Wars television universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about the movie universe. <laughs> I ain't going to speak on that one. But uh, yeah. television universe, love what they're doing with that. It was yeah. pretty good. I, I definitely, The Mandalorian, they had the first season, the first episode, they had me in just by yes. just the pure aesthetics of it alone. Yeah. It was gorgeous to watch. Yeah. Um, the last movie I finally watched it and I was just kind of like, I, I'm confused why they do. Are you forcing a romance between them or, or what? Cause it's like, they could be bonded in the fact that they shared they're in the force, but they ain't gotta be in love with each other. Like they can, they they can just be bonded in that. I had to leave. Um, my genuine reaction was ugly laughter and <laughs> i i was not um i was told to leave uh because <laughs> people were like we're trying to watch the the movie where we're, they were die hard because i was like that's i don't know how I feel. it's so goofy to me right um, where's my spaghetti western back where's my <laughs> right but no mandalorian is is uh i've been I'm not caught up. I know certain. Th- I've, I've, my roommates uh, uh, enjoy and watch it, so so I've gotten snippets. My my, my, pops, gotcha. yeah. my pops is ready for well, whatever's next. He's been right. The Book of Boba Fett. Oh yes, right. Yeah, about week. that looks yeah. amazing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, that's a, that's another trope that I want to see die. Is like every time there's a man and a woman in a film, they don't have to. They don't have to force a romance. Right. You know, I thought that that was great in the Avengers. That Hawkeye and Black Widow were just really good friends. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people would have been tempted to try to make it like they had a romantic history, or that there was some underlying tension between them. But they just really played them as you know brother and sister, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, that really worked. So I was I was glad to see that. You know, like the wife trusted her around her oh. husband. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> So I thought that that was really cool. I think that, you know, I'd like to see more of that where you can, you know, because I thought that that was totally forced uh, in, in Star Wars. And I was like, where'd that come from? That was like out of left field. So, very you know. out of yeah. far, far left path. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm pretty sure everyone that watched it thought it was going to be Finn. Yeah. You know, like, like, he was really pressed about her. She wasn't thinking about him at all. At uh, all. 
and we talk <laughs> kind of bring it back to what we were talking about. You know, I remember when I saw uh, Force Awakens, uh, and I added that to my lecture when I go around speaking on representation. And I just thought it was horrible in the first film how they portrayed Finn. I just saw it get progressively worse mm. with each film after that. You know, because I was excited because I remember watching Attack the Block. You know, yes. I don't know if you've seen that. It's one of my favorite invasion films. I thought that was a great film. So when I saw that he was going to be uh, in the next uh, Star Wars film, I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. And he was like a space janitor. And I was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> it was like, it was like clear that they had no direction for him. Because then in the second one, I thought maybe they'll get it right in the second one. It was like comic relief. Yeah. He was on like Planet Las Vegas. I was like, it's like, what are they doing with him? And he was so worried about her, but she didn't care about him. Like he went to a coma behind her, and I don't even remember her asking about him. So I really thought that Finn was done poorly. And then when I saw what he said about the character Finn and what he said about Disney and the portrayal of the character, that was kind of like validation. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. You know, so I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, Star Wars, the movies, they got they got some work to do. Yeah. Don't don't assume that people are gonna keep coming out because they love you know the franchise because that's not gonna happen. Mm-mm. Well, hopefully they get it right with. I mean, they're they're getting it right with the with the film or not the films the the TV series. Yes. So whoever they have directing this, maybe mm-hmm. trans transfer them to the to the, to the movies because JJ yeah. Abrams a, and um, yeah, that's Favreau, the guy that. Uh, Yes. Yeah, Iron Man, you know, so yeah, he's, he's done a great job with that. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, Marvel, hopefully, including uh, Daredevil into their main universe. Her rumors that he's going to be in Spider-Man. Oh, yes. And all, all the Marvel Netflix film, uh, series, I love Daredevil the most. That was an amazing show. What Daredevil specific- was... At- so I was gonna say, what a specific time for like those the when Daredevil first popped up on uh, on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, that was like post. I think they they because it was funny how you know they didn't. I don't think they really had a clear vision because mm-hmm. it was post Avengers. Because remember they were rebuilding New York in the aftermath of the scrolling. Then they just forgot it. Like you heard passing references to Marvel characters, but they left that part alone. I thought that that was really smart the way that they did it. You know that the kingpin was capitalizing off the construction and so forth, and they just kind of left it alone. And they did the same thing with Agents of Shield, mm-hmm. where initially they really tried to keep it part of the universe. And I guess with the movie schedule, it was tough to do that. And then you know, they ended up just kind of forgetting about it. So hopefully they'll bring them both back and, and, and really incorporate them into the universe. I hope so. Yeah, I really do because the 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 Netflix series I. I watched the sh- I watched them I watched all the movies. Mm-hmm. I like some of the heroes I like some of them I, I don't. Yeah. I, me and Marcel have talked about this often. <laughs> like I can't like I'm like Iron Man can go somewhere. I don't really care. And you know just you know the main the main Avengers unit is mm. you know this group of white people just destroying stuff. They're protecting the planet but destroying right. stuff too at the same time. So I'm just kind right. of like okay, this is not far from what happens anyway but um, but the series when we you kind of get these more like jessica jones and um luke cage and daredevil that they're more 
um, introspective mm. and like yes. he gets more time with these characters to see who they really are and beyond just being superheroes like Jessica Jones is like haunted by her past and like right. can't you know she's a detective yes. but like she's a drunk detective and the yes. you know substance abuse issues and right. Luke Cage is escaped con- convict or right. ex-convict Even ex-convict then. do people still say yeah. ex-convict I don't know if people say ex-convict anymore yeah, I, I, do. <laughs> I put in the title of my book, but I don't know if people still say that anymore. My family's from the country, so like, do they still call the penitentiary the pen? So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they'll say such and such got sent to the pen. And I remember when I was little, I did. I had no idea. I was like, <laughs> like, what's that? Like the penitentiary? No one even really says penitentiary either. They say prison. <laughs> um, in New York, we say going upstate. Ah. Uh, yeah, and that was confusing me as a kid because I thought that was like you went to the parks because I'm saying New York has got like, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, what'd you do? And they looked at me like I was crazy. So I figured that out pretty quick with that one, man. <laughs> I figured that out pretty fast with that man. Yes. <laughs> Well, well, it's been so great to have you on the show. It, like we could, we could talk all night <laughs> about everything. But it, we, this has been so great, Marcel. I'm really glad you messaged him, and I'm really glad you responded because, I mean, we had no. I mean, we were looking for guests, and as Marcel said, we often have you know other artists in Houston who are interested in this work on the show, and. But having you, our first guest, who we, we hadn't met you before at all, and you know, just you just kind of flowed really nicely. And so, we really thank want to thank you for you know taking the time out of your evening to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Like I said, I, I'm really humbled by it. So, I had a great time. This was awesome. Thank you guys I'm so much. I'm glad. All right, do we have and do you have any last things you want to plug? Oh, sure. Um, so once again. Afrofuturism Network. You can find me on Instagram under Afrofuturism Network. Same with Facebook and Twitter. Uh, my website is afrofuturismnet.com. And like I said, GrioCon is an event that we're planning for this fall in Silver Spring, Maryland. You can check us out at griocon.com. And like I said, also follow us on Instagram with that as well. And it's on Facebook. And you know, uh, go to it, lend us your support. Uh, come on out if you know you guys can make it up and we're you know we're free to travel and you know and we can move around we would love to have y'all come up uh for griocon so let's cross our fingers and hope that you know things can i hope so get, you know get right <laughs> i know i i really hope so because this this is not sustainable right <laughs> no the way we're living now <laughs> right, right. right. Oh my goodness. well thank you guys so much i really appreciate it thank, thank you. you thank you um, I'm trying to think. What are we, Marcellus? What do we have to plug? We at the end of our show, then the end of our show has become so clumsy. <laughs> yeah, because every because... time it turns into a, what do we do again? What do we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I almost forgot the whole reason why I'm here. The title of my book. The yes. Book. <laughs> <laughs> I did not sell the book. The ex-con voodoo priest, goddess, and the African king. You can find that on my website. Thank you. You can find that on my website. You can also find it on Amazon and BarnesandNobles.com. So 
And shout out to all the independent bookstores out there that have carried my book. Really appreciate it. Out here in D.C., Sankofa Books, out in uh, Philadelphia, uh, Coffee House and Comics, really appreciated walls of books. So there's been a lot of support that I've gotten from independent bookstores and Barnes and Noble. They did a great job. They had me at a bunch of stores doing book signings. So shout out to them. Really appreciate it. And thanks to you guys for buying the book, reading it, enjoying it, promoting it. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you for writing it. It's it's definitely needed. Are you going to write another book? Yeah. the, The great thing is I'm working on a second one. Uh, and, and, and it's like, I don't know, I feel more pressure with the second one. So I'm really trying to like, oh, man, I really got to hit, you know, hit this, hit this out the park. You know, I really enjoy, like I said, the, the, uh, the experience of writing the first one. So I am working on a second one. Uh, and it's going to be much in the same vein where I'm critiquing and analyzing different aspects of black representation, uh, in comic books, sci-fi and so forth. So you can look forward to that one very soon. Hopefully this year it should be coming out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Can't wait. I can't wait to see. Can't wait to read it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I think for us to plug, we do have our Patreon account is live now for our listeners. So if you all would like to subscribe to our Patreon, each month you get a comic that is drawn by Marcellus. If you subscribe at the five dollar level. At the $10, you get the show notes. So these are all the things, links to different things we mentioned in the episode, our thoughts in the episode, all this kind of like behind the scenes stuff that are put into a digital kind of magazine format. Um, And then of course, at the top tier of of our Patreon account, you get the visual of the podcast. You get the video of the podcast. Um, So make sure that you check out our our, uh, Patreon account. It's pinned on our Twitter account. Um, Twitter, our Twitter account is where I see me all one word on, on Twitter, <laughs> of course, uh, we don't have Instagram or Facebook, um, at this moment in time, but we're hoping to have, um, some new promo kind of stuff for you guys in the, in the near future, a new lo- maybe a new logo, maybe some pictures. You, you never know. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think for the show, I think that's it. And then Marcellus. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I have um I have a book of a short a short book of poems and and uh and ramblings uh, <laughs> uh out um called the the moments preceding and ending. Um I have that available. Um it's linked on my website uh marcelscooper.com um which is nice i'm selling it off of blurb uh so that's been interesting because publishing is uh it's it's new to me and in the in the sense that i i also wasn't sure exactly how to approach it but it's um a little personal project um and i always i always have something slowly coming out so i'm sure if you if you type my name into google i'm the only person with my name (laughs) Um, which is fun and dangerous Uh, (laughs) but uh i know jamie you you got you also have some some things to oh i do have a book but i don't know how many copies are left for purchase (laughs) um so my first my first photo book charting the afroscape of leon county texas is available for purchase with Fifth Wheel Press. 
this is the second run of the book so which i think was only about like 30 copies and i think they're almost sold out so if you were wanting to buy the photo book you've been listening to the podcast you've been following my work as an artist um you better jump on it um, i know that if you've already ordered a book they should ship this this month they just came into the publisher um and so you should get your book sometime either next week or the week after next um but we also want to thank our lovely outro music is from playdate yes yes also they're also lovers of sci-fi and comics and all all wonderful things of media um i believe they have you said they have a new album coming out they soon, they right? have more music coming out i they've been keeping them on the on the low because they put out a uh their last single they put out um was one that i had done uh uh uh, it's called Windows Forever. I had done cover art for their mm. for their single, um, so there there I there's some uh, there's some whispers, uh, but I'm sure it's gonna come out and, and be uh, fantastic as always. All right. I uh, I have been Marcellus, and I'm Jamie. Uh, stay nerdy and stay black. <laughs> That's it.